You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. All right, well, it's good to see everybody this evening. It's always good. Uh, to be home, and I always really appreciate it when uh, Pastor K, I call him Pastor K, uh, you can call him that if you want to, but I own the rights to that, Pastor K right there. Uh, but I always appreciate when you extend the invitation for me to preach. It's not something uh, that I take lightly. Uh, it's, it's an honor and it's a privilege to be able to preach in somebody else's pulpit. Uh, for Pastor K to extend that invitation, that's saying that he trusts you uh, to handle the Word of God. And so, so thank you so much for extending that invitation. Uh, and I'm really excited to be with you tonight. Uh, 2020 has been an adventure for us uh, so far. Uh, uh, last year, as we closed out the year, we had uh, visited uh, where I'm now pastoring to see if I would be interested uh, and going to serve there. And then in January, they voted me in uh, as pastor. And then we moved cross-country from Long Beach, California to Harrison, Ohio, which is just outside of Cincinnati. Uh, and we bought our first home. And then uh, four weeks of pastoring, COVID hit. And uh, that, was, uh, that was really interesting. Didn't, didn't really have any experience in pastoring. Didn't have uh, any experience in how to handle a pandemic or anything like that. Uh, but the Lord has been gracious and the Lord has been good. Uh, and then uh, we were able to welcome our third child uh, last month, baby David. I finally, finally got the boy. And so we've got Madison. She's five years old now. Caroline's two and a half. And then David, he's, uh, he's a little over uh, one month old. And so the Lord's been really good to us. But it's always exciting uh, to be able to come home uh, and preach. I do want to thank you on behalf of my family for all the prayers uh, for my dad uh, and then for my grandma as well. Well, my grandma was able to come home from the rehab facility this week, so we were able to enjoy Christmas with her. Uh, and then my dad, he's improving uh, each day. Uh, so thank you so much uh, uh, for your prayers and your continued prayers. It, it means a lot uh, to our family. They wish they could be here uh, tonight, but just out of an abundance of caution, uh, they stayed home. And I know that everyone here is more than understanding uh, with that. And you're, you're, the church family here has just been so great uh, to, to, my, to my parents uh, getting the phone calls from them, just explaining how somebody gave them this or was a blessing in this way or, or offered a ride to the doctor for them or something. It's just, it's just been a joy to hear, like knowing that I'm so far away, knowing that the church family here is doing their job in taking care of their own. And so that, 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 that is a tremendous testimony uh, to you. And so thank you so much for that. If you have your Bibles, go with me to John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6 is where we'll find... Our text this evening, and John chapter 6 contains what I believe to be one of the most famous miracles uh, in all of the Bible performed by Jesus. It's the, it's the feeding of the multitudes or the feeding of the 5,000, and there's so much that we can learn uh, from this story. And one of the things that I find most interesting about the story is how Jesus and his disciples are presented with a problem, and each of them come up with a different way to remedy the situation problem they faced was it's getting late in the day and, and the people who had been following Jesus and listening to his teaching, they were, they were now hungry. And that's how preaching goes, right? Isn't it, Pastor Kay? Preach too long and all you can think about is when are we going to be able to eat? And if you read the various gospel accounts, the first solution that was offered was, well, let's just send the multitudes away. Let, let them get their own food. 
And that suggestion, it, it lacks compassion. It's the easy way out. But if you know anything about Jesus, Jesus never takes the easy way out. He confronts the problem head on. The second solution was presented by Philip, who said, well, we can buy bread and we can get every man a little bit. The problem with this is it's going to be really expensive. Pastor Kay was just talking about, oh, I'm going to ask you to give. And I said, you're the only one that does that. But when we have our vision night in just a couple days at Triumphant, I'm going to be asking our church family to give towards some projects. So I just wanted to give him a hard time there. The problem with this is it would have been expensive and no one would have been satisfied with the amount that they received. The third solution was brought to Jesus' attention by Andrew. Andrew, he had found a young boy with a small lunch that consisted of five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, Andrew knew this wasn't very much, but he thought, if I can just get this young boy to Jesus, surely Jesus can do something with him and his lunch. And then the final solution came from Jesus Himself, and He knew what He was going to do all along. But He wanted to test His disciples, and He wanted to grow their faith. And He took that small lunch, He thanked God the Father for it, He divided it, and then He asked His disciples to distribute it to the people. They were able to distribute five loaves of bread and two fish to over 5,000 men, possibly 15,000 people with men, women, and children, and then collect leftovers on top of that. Each individual was able to eat until they were completely full and completely satisfied. Jesus was able to do something with something that was small, inadequate, and insufficient as this little boy's lunch and use it to bring glory to His name. And I'm personally thankful that God likes to use things that are small, inadequate, and insufficient to accomplish His will. And not only things, but I'm thankful that God is willing to use small, inadequate, and insufficient people to accomplish His will. God used a small lunch and a young boy that was simply willing to give all that he had to Jesus to accomplish an amazing miracle. God loves to use a willing and surrendered heart to accomplish His purposes and His plans. And when we get to our text, what we're going to look at this evening, Jesus is now trying to avoid this multitude that He just fed because they want to make Him their earthly king, not because of who He is though, because they want the material blessings that He can provide them as a miracle worker. So what He does is He sends His disciples apart to the Sea of Galilee so that He can send the multitudes away and then He can go alone into the mountainside. So He's he's sending the disciples away. He's just fed the 5,000. So that's where we'll pick up our text. And if you found your place and you're willing and able to, will you stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word? We're going to read John chapter number 6, verses 16 through 21. It says, When even was now come, His disciples went down into the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea, and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But He saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received Him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither 
they went. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this evening. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be home and, and to preach to this great group of people. Father, I pray now that you'd bless Victory Baptist Church. I pray that you'd bless Pastor Coburnat, his family. I pray you'd bless the leadership here. And Lord, I, pr I pray that you'd be honored and glorified in all that we say and do this evening now. And so, Father, I pray that you'd use your word. I ask on Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. You wouldn't know it from John's account or John's writing of this passage, but there's a pretty famous Bible story that's taking place between uh, verses 15 and 16. And that is the story of when Peter goes walking on the water with Jesus. Matthew, he gives the most detail of this story in his gospel account. Mark gives a little more detail than John, but leaves out the part about Peter walking on the water. And Luke, doesn't, he doesn't even write about the event at all. And we could spend our time this evening talking about Peter and his faith, and we could spend quite a while talking about it. We could look at the confidence that he displayed in God. We could, we could look at the bold requests that he asked of God. Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. We could spend time talking about how our faith is affected when we begin to take our eyes off Jesus and start looking at the storms. We talk about how Jesus is proactively uh, protecting us and he's, and he's near us. And, and even when we begin to doubt him and, and be in fear. And there's, a, there's a lot of great ways that we can apply the story of Peter walking on the water with Jesus. But we're looking at the gospel account of John right now. And he didn't feel led to talk about that aspect of the story. So we'll leave the story of Peter walking on the water for Pastor Coburnat to preach later on. But why doesn't, why doesn't John include that aspect in his account? Because there's some other truth that he wants us to get from this story. And to, understanding what, to understand what takes place in these few verses, we have to understand what had just taken place with the feeding of the 5,000 or the, or the feeding of the multitudes. You see, everyone there had just witnessed an amazing miracle. Like a miracle unlike any other that they had seen. They, and then on top of, uh, uh, of witnessing it, they were, they were participants in it. They were recipients in the miracle. Because, and even the disciples, they played a very special part because those were ones that carried out uh, the loaves and the fish. Jesus, He used the disciples to distribute this food to a bunch of hungry listeners who were ready for dinner, just like you are this evening. But... If you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to see this evening, I want you to see is the disciples were thrilled to be a part of this miracle. The disciples were thrilled to be a part of this miracle. Can you imagine what it must have been like as they passed out the bread and the fish? You know, when I, when I read my Bible, I, I like to use my imagination, and I hope you do as well. I like to, I like to think about what's taking place. And, and sometimes my imaginations are probably far-fetched. But the Bible does paint a picture with the context that it gives of what's happening. And I like to try and visualize that context. I like to try and visualize the scenery. So what was the method disciples went about to give out the food? Well, Mark tells us in his account that Jesus divided the two fish amongst the disciples. All right, so 12 disciples divided by two little fish. All right, so did Jesus take and break the fish into six pieces and give the disciples one tiny piece uh, and likewise with the bread? Did the miracle take place as they were passing it out? Or did the miracle take place when Jesus broke the bread and the fish and it didn't diminish? 
All right, so since everyone was sitting down, the disciples walk with the baskets over their head and they're reaching in like it's a magic trick or something and then pulling it out and they get to pull out as much as they want or do they just pull in and the first that they pull out is sufficient for what they needed. And so it's, it's fun ideas. I don't have an answer for you, but it's still fun to imagine how it actually happened. But regardless of how it happened, what I want you to get is the disciples, they had a special part in it. They were the tool that Jesus used to distribute the miracle. And while there's no doubt in my mind that as Jesus tells them to, to go to the boat, to, 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 while he sends the multitude away, that is all that they can talk about. All right, as they're walking down to get into the ship, all they're thinking about is this just happened. Like this little boy just brought five loaves and two fishes and we just fed like 15,000 people. You know, if I had just witnessed that and, and I was a part of that miracle, I don't think I could shut up about it. I think you would literally have to take duct tape and put it over my mouth because I would not stop talking about it. You would get so sick and tired of hearing about it that you would just like, I don't want to go see Michael anymore. He just All he talks about is that miracle of the five loaves and two fishes. But what the disciples don't realize is, is there is a storm coming their way. They're at a spiritual high right now, but there's a storm coming. And they are about to go from a place of rejoicing to a place of worry very quickly. And this next point, I believe, will help you in your Christian life if you will allow it to. And this is the disciples' obedience led them into a storm. The disciples' obedience led them into a storm. Jesus, He instructs His disciples to, to get into the boat because He knew the danger of pride. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, it says, Straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to go into the ship and to go before Him unto the other side while He sent the multitudes away. You see, this crowd that had just uh, received uh, the, the feeding of the 5,000, they were creating a movement to make Jesus king. And that had to be very exciting for the disciples to hear. If Jesus had been crowned king of Israel now, they themselves would have fame and notoriety. Think of Judas. Judas could have been treasurer of the kingdom. Peter, he could have been the prime minister. James and John, the sons of thunder, they could have oversaw the climate change division. Who knows what they could have done in the kingdom. But this wasn't in God's plan. When the crowd started talking this way, Jesus sought to break up this kind of talk. So in order to protect His disciples from getting caught up in this moment, He tells them, I want you to go to the boat. I want you to go across to the Sea of Galilee. And that seems like an odd place to send your friends when you know that a storm is approaching. But God always knows how to watch over us. One of the things our guide told us when we were in Israel about the Sea of Galilee is that storms can appear out of nowhere and completely catch you off guard. So it's probable as the disciples were heading down to get into the boat, there was no storm in sight. There was zero indication of a storm coming. Did Jesus know that there was a storm coming? Of course He did. You may ask though, if Jesus knew a storm was coming, why did He deliberately send His disciples into danger? That doesn't seem like something a friend would do. 
But Jesus, he knew that the danger of being swept away by this fanatical notion of him becoming king right now was more dangerous than them being on the boat. So Jesus is going to use this storm to help bring balance to the disciples' lives. You have to understand that Jesus has a purpose in everything that he does. Jesus has a plan that he's trying to accomplish in every single thing that he does. And sometimes the Lord has to balance our lives so that we don't become lifted up with pride and fall into sin. Like we mentioned earlier, the disciples, they had just been a part of a thrilling miracle, an amazing miracle. It's a spiritual high. But now they had to face this storm and learn how to trust God more. Let's be honest tonight. It's real easy to trust God when things are going great. But it's a little more difficult to trust God when everything seems to be crashing in around you. It's easy to trust God when you've got money in the bank, you've got a fridge full of groceries, and you've got good health. It's pretty easy to trust in them. It's a whole lot different story when you're paying all your bills on a credit card, racking up interest every month, eating nothing but peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and your health is declining. It's a little more difficult to trust God in that situation. And for the disciples, this is what I want you to get. The feeding of the 5,000 was the lesson that God was trying to teach them, that Jesus was trying to teach them. And the storm is the examination after the lesson to see if they got it. And I believe it's easy to become guilty of having this mindset that we only go through storms or difficulties in life because we have disobeyed God. But that's just not a biblical truth. Sure, there are storms that come in people's lives in the Bible. They experience storms and they experience trouble because of their disobedience. Go read the book of Jonah. Like He's experiencing some really bad stuff because of his disobedience. But sometimes the storm comes because we have obeyed the Lord. Not every storm in your life is a result of sin. Sometimes God is trying to draw you closer to Him, and He's trying to teach you something about Himself. One guarantee that we have in this life is we are going to go through trials. We are going to go through difficulties, but Jesus is right there beside you, helping you get through that storm, helping you get through that challenge, helping you get through that season. Why? Because the third point I want you to get this evening is because Jesus is the calmer of our fears. You see, the disciples, they're not exactly in a comfortable situation right now. It's dark and Jesus is missing. Look with me at verse number 16. It says, And when now even was come, his disciples went down into the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea of Capernaum. And it was now dark and Jesus was not come unto them. All right, so the next point I'm about to make, I'll be honest with you, it's not the original intent of the author. But this verse paints a very vivid picture of what the majority of our world looks like today. There are millions and millions of people in our world that are alone, in the dark, and without Jesus. That's a, a terrible place to be. Every day, people in our world live and die in darkness. They are without Christ. They are without God. And they, were, they are without hope in the world to come. Imagine dying in your sins, never having heard of Jesus, never having heard the verse like John 3.16 or Romans chapter 10, verse 9. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Or that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
Imagine being born in a place where you're taught to hate Christian, completely duped by a false religion, deprived of even a single verse of Scripture, a stranger to the grace of God. That is such a sad thought, and that's exactly where Satan wants people to be. Now, back to the disciples for a moment. So they're fearful because it's dark. They're fearful because Jesus is nowhere in sight. Like, we were just having a great time together. Now, this storm's out of nowhere. It's not pleasant. It's dark. Where's Jesus? And this storm, it appears out of nowhere in verse number 18. It says, And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So now this darkness gives way to a place of panic. All right, so this storm, it, it descends on them without any kind of warning. And I think, that's, I think that's very symbolic of how storms come into our lives as well. As we go on this spiritual journey. Like these storms, they, they come up on us often without any kind of warning. They do great damage. They leave behind ruin and wreckage. They leave behind broken homes and broken hearts. They leave behind disease and despair, death and loss. And sometimes storms catch us off guard to bring us back to a place of reality. So if the storm wasn't scary enough, now the disciples see what they believe is a ghost walking on the water. Look at verse number 19. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea, drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. So let, Now if you read the other gospel accounts, they, they, they think it's a ghost. So let, let's, let's let this situation sink in for just a moment. Let's put our, ourselves in the disciples' situation. I'm on a small boat on the lake. It's dark. It's storming. And now I see what appears to be a ghost walking towards me. No, thank you. That is not a situation that I want to be in whatsoever. If I, like, I might even jump in the water at that, that point. I don't know if I want to stay in the boat with a ghost walking towards me. But in a moment of fear, in a moment of panic, in a moment of crisis, across the waves, above the howling winds, came a well-known voice with the words of reassurance. It is I, be not afraid. Throughout this entire situation, Jesus' eye had seen them. His thoughts had surrounded them. His heart had gone out to them. Jesus hadn't abandoned them. Yes, they were in the middle of the storm, but they were also in the center of God's will. So what, does, what should that tell us? That sometimes being in God's will can be pretty scary. He sent them on a voyage. He knew the waves would get high. He knew the winds would get loud. He knew the lightning would strike. But it was all a part of His will. Everything that the disciples had just gone through was intended to strengthen their faith in Him and give them a greater knowledge of who He is. No, the storm did not overtake them by chance because nothing overtakes us by chance. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that all things, that's good, bad, and in between, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. And it's calming to know that nothing takes place in our lives by chance. So when your life gets flipped upside down with bad news, God wants to strengthen your faith. When money gets really tight 
God wants to strengthen your faith. When your job starts laying off people and you're wondering if you're next, God wants to strengthen your faith. When you have to step up and lead in ways that you've never expected, God wants to strengthen your faith. So in conclusion this evening, I'll close with verse number 21. The first part it reads, They willingly received Him into the ship. You see, the Lord is never going to force you to accept Him in your life. He never intrudes. He never forces Himself on us. In this case, it's pretty obvious that the disciples were glad to see Him, though. But it, it absolutely blows my mind that there are millions upon millions of men and women who, who would face this journey called life alone and without Him. You see, life without Jesus is scary. But when Jesus is present, fears begin to disappear. The verse that's really helped me throughout this year is Psalm 34, verse 4, where it says, I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and He delivered me from all my fears. Let me encourage you with this thought, that the closer you get to God, the less frightening our fears become. As Jesus got closer and they realized who it was, their fears were no longer their focus. Jesus, he got in the boat, and John tells us something amazing happened when he does. He says, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Their fears were gone and they reached their destination. That's a miracle in and of itself. Jesus was constantly proving the fact that he is God. One moment the ship was three miles offshore being tossed about, and the next moment immediately the ship was at the land wherever they went. So how can you explain this outside of being a miracle? How can you explain any of the miracles that Jesus did? Who can explain how He turned the water into wine? Who's able to explain how He healed the paralytic man with just a spoken word? Who can explain how he was able to raise Lazarus from the dead? The only explanation is that he is God. It's the only explanation. And the very God that performed all of these miracles wants to have a relationship with you. And he is more than capable of calming any fears that you may have. I always enjoy... The Christmas season, it's always been my favorite time of year. I love the decoration, I love the songs, I love all the fun that goes with it. But as I've been studying for our, our various Christmas messages that we've done at our church, we, we did a series on uh, Christmas's love in our Sunday mornings, and then we looked at some Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus on our Wednesday evenings. But as I preach those messages at our church, one of the overwhelming themes of the Christmas story is fear not. Don't be afraid. The Lord, He sent a message to Zacharias. We heard it this morning in church. Fear not, I've heard your prayers. Don't be afraid, I've been listening. The Lord sends a message to Mary. Fear not, Mary, you've, you've found favor with me. You've found favor with God, and you're going to bring forth the Messiah. The Lord sent a message to Joseph. Fear not, for the child Mary is carrying is of the Holy Ghost. 
You can call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. The Lord sent a message to the shepherds. Fear not. I bring you good tidings of great joy that shall be to all people. The Savior is born. You see, the message of the Savior, the message of Jesus brings peace and makes our fears flee. Jesus is truly the calmer of our fears. So trust in that truth as we close out a year that has been filled with uncertainty, has been filled with fears, and as we look forward into a new year. Trust that Jesus is the calmer of fears and that Jesus is with you every step of the way. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.